Welcome to another episode of Poppers and Popcorn, the podcast that does butt stuff to movies. That's what we do. I'm Matt. And I'm Josh. How are you, Josh? I'm good. Yeah? That's a hot one, but I'm good. It is so hot out. I have like a... Like dehabilitatingly hot out. I have like a, a, a packed next couple of days planned. Oh, I'm off good. from work, but it's like I'm doing cool things. That's cool. What are you doing? Um... We're going to go to, there's this thing called Ocean Cube. It's like this art exhibit in like, like around Grand Street. It's, you walk, they make, it's an art exhibit with lights and stuff. It's supposed to be like the inside of the ocean. That's cool. And then Smorgasbord. And then we're going to do like this rosé, not the rosé mansion, but like. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to say. Something extremely similar to the, it's everything that is inside of the rosé mansion, just outside of a mansion. <laughs> Um, is, that, and, is it in the city? Yeah, Brooklyn, maybe. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and then my one of my good friends, her birthday was on Wednesday, mm-hmm. so we we're celebrating Saturday night. And then tonight we're going to a, like a, a seafood something by like the Brooklyn Museum. Wow, it's like a it, I don't know what it is. It's a seafood event, D- dinner. Perhaps a festival? I don't know. Are you going out to dinner at a seafood restaurant? <laughs> no, it's like, there's like a DJ. It's like a club situation. But there's seafood. But there's a lot of seafood. The club was a lot of seafood. That's I, right my alley. I <laughs> have not actually looked into it, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's the sitch. How are you? So you're going to be eating some shrimp and like dancing? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. That's the hope. Okay. Like, I hope I can, like, crack open a crab leg, you know, <laughs> you know to get your freak on by Missy Elliott. That's... Oh, my God. I uh, I love seafood so much. Yeah, that's what I can only dream for. How are you? How have you been? Okay, yesterday was July 4th. We, like, had a little shindig on the roof. Um, and now I'm, like, very hungover. And... I had to stop myself from commenting on your picture, Justice for Patrick, because he wasn't there. Oh yeah, he was, I saw it he was like, busy for the first hash, part of hashtag justice for Pat because yeah. I support him. He he showed up eventually. <laughs> he was busy. He had I still plans. support him. Okay. If like he's George Bush, I'm Condoleezza. Oh. I just always just want to be Condoleezza. <laughs> well um, So what's the gayest thing that's happened to you in the last since I haven't seen you in like three days. Yeah, I know, I know. We were recording on a Friday after we recorded on a Monday. Yeah. Uh did you ever you ever get like the post pride like blues a little? Not at all. No? Not at all. It happens to me every once in a while. And by every once in a while I mean it happens to me the week after Pride. Where I'm just kind of like I this is the gayest thing that happened to me. Where it's just kind of like Oh, that's over. Like remember when you were a kid and like Christmas was over? Yeah. That's how I feel now. Okay. <laughs> you know, where you're just kind of like, like Christmas is over. Like, like there's nothing gay to look forward to. I mean, I'm going to Fire Island in a couple weekends, but like, there's nothing gay to look forward to that's like for, for the whole world until like next Pride. So no. I'm like, okay, post Pride Blues. It's literally what my documentary is basically about. Oh, I should yeah. just call it post Pride Blues. I should Maybe just be the name of it. What about you? What's the gayest thing that happened to you this week? Literally, I've had such like a annoying week. Not even annoying. My the literal gayest thing that's happened to me this week is I'm mm. writing grant proposals, begging people to give me money for this documentary, <laughs> and it's me literally having to like dig into the trenches of like what gay life is, yeah, as a means of explaining it to people who also know what it is. Because I'm asking LGBTQ organizations, like they get it, yeah, but yeah. I can't go. 
dude, you get it. Just give me money. Like, right, you right, understand. Right. No, you know? You like write so I've just been like doing that. Shit, yeah. Also, uh, a really cool mo- a documentary that a lot of people don't know about. It's called The Queen. Oh, yeah. Um, I it's, that was coming out. It's about a. It's, it, came, a it, it came out a long time ago, but uh, yeah, it got it's a about the drag pageantry world in the late 70s, early 80s. It's at Film Forum. No, it's IFC because Paris is Burning was at Film Forum. So it's at IFC. And I think I might just go see it on Sunday early because I've seen it. I've seen the movie itself a bunch, like a Mm -hmm. lot of times. It's on YouTube also, by the way. But um, I really enjoyed it and I really want to see it on the big screen. Also because like the iconic Crystal LaBeija rant that like the world knows. Mm -hmm. So, and also I I live for the chance to see like Mother Flawless Sabrina on screen. So (laughs) that's me. Yeah, no, I mean, I I've, I definitely want to, like, check out that documentary. I said that it was getting a re-release. Uh, I think it was re-released on actual Pride Weekend. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like until, like, July 7th, I think. That's good. So there's time. Yeah. Theme. Yeah. I say time. I was actually kind of, like, I was, like, a little, not, like, relieved, but I was, like, it was, what, Tuesday, Tuesday is when Pose usually airs? Yeah. And there wasn't a new episode this week, and I was kind of, like... That that feels right. It'd be like watching like a new episode, of, like a new Christmas special, like a couple of days after Christmas. No, uh, I don't know. A lot of people were upset that the new pose didn't air. I mean, it will air. Like that episode's going to air just like in this upcoming week. They probably did it because of July Fourth, honestly. Yeah, that's really what it was. Um, yeah, but no, I was like, kind of like, I need, yeah, I need a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, what's your news item? Um, so a couple of days ago, the first image of uh, Daniel Craig as for Bond 25 dropped which gave a lot of people hope because there was also word for a while that he had gotten injured on set yeah he had gotten injured on set doing something probably he he injured his ankle yeah yeah so people were like uh early in production that's not a good sign yeah this movie has had like a bunch of production issues yeah but this movie has had a lot of mimps and mimps which is very interesting because I feel like the last few went off pretty seamlessly yeah, but oh, frog jumped into my throat. Um, with Spectre, Spectre was like bad though. Spectre wasn't bad. I didn't. I did not like Spectre. It wasn't bad. <laughs> it wasn't great. It wasn't as good as like no. Skyfall. And I, or I even, even Casino Royale. I even have like good. a. I even have like a little soft spot for Quantum of Solace a little bit. I like that one a little. I th- I think I think um, Spectre was the worst of the. Yeah, the Spectre ones. was the first out of. Oh, it was the worst of the four. Yeah, but but um, I don't say it was like bad. I don't think it was bad. I don't like it. But I mean, it, if you've seen older Bond films, you've seen some bad films. Oh yeah, totally. Like Brosnan totally. has Spectre had some fucking boogers. Oh my god, what is, what's someone with Doctor Christmas Jones? Oh, ah. the world is not enough. Mm-hmm. That like is maybe the worst Bond movie. Mm, that was a it was booger. also a Moonraker, which is bad. Even like Diamonds Are Forever with Connery, like isn't that good? Um, I mean, the bad Bond films were what inspired Austin Powers. Well, like, the bad, the bad Bond films that are like older at least have this like camp value to them. Like Moonraker, I can watch. Well, they and have be a like, camp. This is fucking hilarious. Well, they have a camp value to them now because we're later. It's like a little bit far removed. I don't think that like. But is like the bad rebooted like gritty reboot version gonna have camp value later on? Like, or is anybody gonna watch? To be honest with you, yeah. maybe based on the way that the way the world moves, I think people are just gonna think of the, that whole genre as comedy in a few years from now. Mm, that's a leap, but I mean, not like that. But I mean, like, like I don't know. I think that like Spectre was like bad, but it wasn't like 
Like watching it, it wasn't awful. Like there's oh, no, still a no. lot of like redeemable qualities about it. It wasn't you know? like a franchise killer. Yeah, no, not at all. Granted, like James Bond could put out like the worst James Bond movie of all time by a landslide, and like they'd still make another one. Yeah, they'd make another. I mean, <laughs> Bond is like an iconic character, you know. Like I'm actually, I'm actually really pumped for the new one though, even though they're having a lot of production issues because Kerry Fukunaga is directing, and yeah. he he's he did some really good like like gun work on True Detective mm-hmm. season one. Um, and Phoebe Waller Bridge did a pe- bridge did a pass on the script, and she's fucking brilliant. Oh, cool! She did Fleabag, um, which is like that show is insane. How good it is! Um, I don't know if you've heard people talking about it, but it is. I have not. Are you kidding? Have you been like in the zeitgeist? Fleabag has been like huge the last like month and a half. I have not been in the zeitgeist. Oh though. God, Fleabag is like the best show of the year by far. Well, I guess Russian I Doll too. Guess I haven't been in the zeitgeist. I guess not. Fleabag's real good though. You should watch it. Um, it's actually only like twelve episodes total, and they're all like half an hour. It's on Amazon Prime. It's really hard to get me to watch a new show. Okay. Um, <laughs> my news item this week <laughs> is the Knives Out trailer for Ryan Johnson's follow-up to um, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. <laughs> Um, is Knives Out, which is this like big whodunit with Chris Evans and Jamie Lee Curtis and Tony Collette and other people that I'm forgetting, but like the the cast is so good, um, and the trailer is a lot of fun. It looks like a it looks like a like a classic whodunit, kind of done in like a very cheeky vibe. Daniel Craig's in it. Speaking of, actually, uh, Michael Shannon. Um, Lakeith Stanfield, Christopher Plummer. It, I mean, yeah, no, this this cast is unbeatable. Raul from um, Looking. You, I mean, yeah, this is gonna be the best cast of the year. I think it comes out in November. I can't wait. I Ryan Johnson, he is so good after the Last Jedi. There, he's made a couple movies that I didn't care for, like Looper. I didn't care totally that much. Looper for. sucked. I wouldn't say it sucks, but it was just kind of like, eh, they're, they're, uh, this movie... wasn't good. The third act is rough. No, um, a lot of it is rough. I like the first two acts a lot. Um, but yeah, no, he... I mean, but like, and also The Last Jedi is a blatant masterpiece. Brick is wonderful. Um, his work on Breaking Bad is wonderful. So I'm so excited to get to see him play with all these great actors, especially after he made such a compassionate and like loving Star Wars movie that actually pushed the boundaries of... Uh, what Star Wars is and was and everything. So, yeah, the Knives Out trailer is really fun. Everyone in it looks like they're having a ball. That's it. Did you see it? I did not. No? It was really cool. I thought you were going to talk about something else for your news item. That's why I picked the one that I picked. What did you think I was going to talk the about? The Little Mermaid casting. Oh, no. That happened, like, two days ago. I, thought you, I actually thought you were going to talk about that. I thought you were going to. That's why I didn't do it. No. Oh, I, I kind of... Like, I, I was really pumped about Knives Out and that uh, I don't care about Disney remakes that much. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about the outrage around it. The outrage is, like... It's, like, pitiful. It's, it's ridiculous. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. I'm sure she'll be a good Ariel. 
I'm excited. I like Haley Bailey as a actress and as a singer. Sure. She is an amazing... First of all, I call them the Beyonce twins because they were discovered by Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> and if there are two... If two singer twins catch mm-hmm. Beyonce's attention and then she brings them out... Yeah. They're destined for greatness. Yeah. So... I mean, like, if we're going to keep remaking the Disney animated classics and, uh, I mean, at least let's, like, do something with them to make them worthwhile and, like, worth giving money to. So. Yeah, I think this... this yeah, that was it. That's all I want. They're all like fucking fine. All the Disney remakes. They're like none of them. There is not one that I've like walked out of and been like, "Holy shit, that totally changed what I think of the last one." And like, I this like, is totally I like Maleficent different. a lot. That was very that different. Totally count. Yeah, it does. It's kind of just like a spinoff. Yeah, but I mean, that was really what headed this whole situation. No, Alice in Wonderland is what headed this whole situation. That, that made so much money. Yeah, that was more of a Burton thing than a. Yeah, but it, it still was the, like the first of these, and it made so much money. Mm-hmm. That's and true. Then, yeah, and then they. I mean, this year we had three of them. But the Alice in Wonderland was a good one. That was a really good one. That was alright. That was re- Helena Bonham Carter, Johnny. De- I mean, that's I mean, fine. Tim Burton and Friends. The third act is a hot mess. Um, Alice in Wonderland. Well, is mean, a hot mess. Alice in Wonderland is like a good point story. Of Alice in Wonderland is that it is a hot mess. And no, but they like, turned it into like like there's like a battle that's like yeah, they needed true. to have like some big you know they wanted to make it epic all of a sudden. Yeah, like, there's no. like a, there's like this. Like, it was hard not on true that, to Alice in Wonderland. There's a hard on that like a lot of blockbuster has for like militant army battles. Yeah, exactly. And Alice in Wonderland is not the place that that should have occurred. <laughs> um. Okay, do you want to head yeah, into Yeah, I don't our... know who directed this. I, and I don't have John my phone. Watts. Yeah, I don't have my phone to look at it. So I we're doing Spider-Man Far From Home, directed by John Watts. It's uh, starring Tom Holland, I love you, mm-hmm. and Zendaya, and John Favreau, and Marissa Tomei, I love you, and Zendaya, and Samuel Jackson, and Colby Smulders, and that cute chubby kid who's really adorable. We're getting a big one. I said Tom Holland. Oh, yeah, Daddy Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's everyone who matters in this movie. Pretty much. Besides Tony, what's his name? Tony? Not, is his name not Tony? Yeah, the Tony. Oh, the kid from... Um, Tony Ravolo. Tony Ravolo. And he was also in Fruitvale Station, I believe. He was? I think so. I forgot what was his first movie. His first movie was something... Oh, dope. He was in Dope, dope. dope. Yeah. I was going to say his first movie was something black. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was no. His first movie was Grand Budapest. That's like where he was discovered. I thought Dope was first. Mm-mm, dope was like the following summer. Oh. So anyway, yeah. Um, okay. What What was your like impression going in? Um. This is one of those movies that like it got overshadowed by Infinity War hype during its initial um press run. You mean Endgame? Yeah. Yeah. Same place. <laughs> um, so, a lot of it got overshadowed for me. I mean, I was very excited for uh, Homecoming because yeah. it was kind of in a lane of its own. I'm not saying I wasn't excited for this. I mean, you kind of saw the visuals for this and you saw like a trailer before Endgame and you were like, yeah. all right, cool. I also didn't know what date this was coming out. It came out on like a Monday. Yeah, it came out on Tuesday. Yeah, which is weird to it me. Is so weird. I don't know why they chose that day. And they they went back. I looked because I was trying to want. I wanted to go to like the earliest screen possible to avoid spoilers. And like the first thing they were doing was a midnight show on Monday night. 
which was wild. It was weird. I guess they're trying to avoid opening a blockbuster opening week. I don't know what. Well, but, it's July Fourth. They oh, they yeah. want to capitalize on people being off and stuff. Oh, okay, never mind. That's genius. Yeah. That's genius. Then. No, most movie. Whatever. Whenever July Fourth happens, a movie comes out like usually like a day or two before. Oh yeah, you know what it is. I'm not into summer movies. Mm. It's hard for it's hard to get me to leave the house during the summer. <laughs> If there's no air conditioner from point A to point B, why am I going? Mm, fair enough. <laughs> if it's hot, no. Day like today. Exactly. I'm not going outside. Uh, yeah, you're lucky to even have me here today. <laughs> you're welcome. No, but um, I, I was happy to see it. I mean, to be honest with you, I really like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Oh, God. So, like, he's the best one. Yeah, he's the best one. So, to be yeah. honest with you, like, I don't care. Like, if you're slapping a Spider-Man suit in him, I'm going to go see it. Um, I'm a Zendaya fan. I really love that girl. I think that... I mean, I need to start watching Euphoria. Yeah, Apparently, I mean, I've heard some really good reviews on Zendaya and Euphoria yeah. and Euphoria itself. I'm um, going to start that this week also i mean like jake gyllenhaal let's be real he's a gay icon he's so good i mean he got fucked with an ass full of beans so i mean <laughs> ever since then no matter what he does i'm there to be honest with you he paved the way for us he's basically gay jesus so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean i was gonna see an ass full of beans he did they ate I beans on a mountain he then he got did. fucked it wasn't there wasn't like a douching period and there was definitely no heath ledger like pulling his dick out like oh the way digestion works i mean it would probably take a second it took i mean beans also are very fibrous so they move quick i mean it's all that i've eaten i've eaten pizza and like gotten fucked like very soon after that is unsafe don't do that kids don't do it kids but you know sometimes <laughs> sometimes it works out for you if you have light color any color but brown sheets don't do it and if you have brown sheets don't do it i mean yeah like don't shit on yourself but I, well <laughs> hey you know i mean i mean you know sometimes things happen yeah yeah anyway yeah but yeah so Spider-Man. <laughs> relentless regardless i was excited for the movie and what what was your impressions going in um, I mean, I liked Endgame a lot, uh, so I was kind of I was kind of interested to see interested to see where yeah Spider Man was headed. Um, I like Homecoming a lot too, um, and yeah, Tom Holland's the best one. Jake Gyllenhaal is Mysterio. This sounded like a nice uh, light. Like Mysterio is not a serious villain. Like he, this guy wears a fishbowl and he like creates special effects. Like that's his whole deal. Well, I mean, technically, Mysterio can be serious. I mean, when you think about the old man Logan universe, the reason why Wolverine killed all the X Men was because of Mysterio. But okay. whatever. I don't care about that. But whatever, Mysterio. Mysterio can. wears a fucking fishbowl. I know he's ridiculous. And he's a special effects wizard. Exactly, he's ridiculous. But he's so, cool. I think he's a cool villain. He's like, very cool. He's very cool. You could be silly and cool. yeah, that design. I, you know what it is? I think the thing about Mysterio is that he's got a really cool character design. Yeah. And it very. It surprised me very. It didn't surprise me when you think about the last movies that have come out. But it's weird that, like, in a time where superhero movies were trying to go as cool as possible, they didn't use a character like Mysterio. And the fact that, like, Kevin Feige... Feige. Feige, because it's not Feige, it's beige. (laughs) (laughs) I stand by that. Kevin Feige was like, you know what, let's give that a try. And I think it's a really cool second villain to give him. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as I agree that Marvel is doing a smart thing by staying away from Green Goblin. Yeah, um, every movie the, seems to uh, want every single the like Raimi and the last person Mark Webb. <laughs> 
Yeah, was just that. like you know what you know what we need a goblin yeah i mean yeah. raimi it's fine you can do well, yeah, goblin for Raimi because that's the first one and it's actually yeah. really great you needed to do goblin. raimi actually had two very great villains back to back the second yeah, the did. second iteration these ones i mean lizard and then green goblin and electro was really oh, like, weird God. jimmy fox's electro is so bad yeah it was so weird but like i mean here was cool and i mean let's be real like michael keaton as vulture was going cool. i mean i really like that we're i like that we're getting like the C, like the B and C list Spider-Man villains to start these yeah. movies off. We're not like yeah. starting off with like Green Goblin, then Venom. Like you know, like right. we're not trying to go like as balls to the wall possible with these villains. Like, I mean, honestly, hopefully the third one is like Rhino and Silver Sable. You I know, think what like, I think it's gonna be actually given the post credits scene mm-hmm. is I think it's gonna be Craven. Yeah, um, or maybe Silver Sable. Silver Sable would be cool if they did if they did her. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, no. I was, I was excited for kind of like a lighter Marvel movie after Endgame. Even Captain Marvel was had. Well, I didn't really like Captain Marvel, but like Captain Marvel was like had like some heavy stuff that it was exploring. Yeah. Um. So I was pumped. Um. And like for the most part, I would say it delivered. Um. Uh, I definitely don't love this movie. Um. But it, but I definitely had a really good time watching it. Do I love this movie? I'm also coming off. I mean, I I'm coming you off of just it, seeing like, two it. Like, hours ago, yeah, I, last, I just came yeah. a couple hours. I just finished yeah. a couple hours ago. Do I love this movie? <laughs> Maybe not love. Yeah, but it's a weird emotion where I. There, you know what? I don't love this movie. I love this Spider Man so much. Yeah, that's kind of where I live too. I think that this film really touched on the spider-man grief guilt situation and like that second guessing that comes with like the loss of someone very dear to you yeah yeah um and i think that like they do it from like a teenage standpoint yeah like it's not like he's a grown man like i needed it's like literally like i'm fucking 16 Mm. (laughs) you know like and i'm like it's like everyone has like these grandiose expectations of him because he is spider-man but i think that like it shows that like a lot of people tend to forget he's still 16 like nick fury treats him like an adult throughout this whole film and he is 16 and the only person who treated him like a teenager was jake gyllenhaal was mysterio right and i think that like interesting which is it's an extremely interesting thing because it also shows like i mean to be honest with you i think that like mysterio is a very human villain in that he's like we were the people who were forgotten about yeah in all of this and we're fucking pissed I okay so yeah let's talk about Mysterio let's talk about Mysterio Mysterio is Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio is the best Spider-Man villain in, in like 15 years in on the big screen uh I think him and Vulture are very I liked Michael neck Keaton's and neck Vulture. in my opinion Michael Keaton's Vulture for me was 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 good um I, I don't think it quite took it to the next level like Mysterio did where Oh my god, this character is so well written, and and Jill and Hall is doing so many things in his performance. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed, like the way they did the trippy mindfuck sequences. Oh, I love those sequences. It, I thought those sequences was, were the best parts of this film. Same. It was so good how they did Mysterio. They went all in on everything that he is, yeah. and like were unapologetic about Mysterio. Ugh. All in on Mysterio. I loved Mysterio. I agree, I agree wholeheartedly. So good. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the first half of the movie, uh, I would say, is kind of a hot mess. Um, where you do have Mysterio before the Mysterio twist, which we all knew was coming. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, if you've read a comic book, watched a cartoon, you know Mysterio's not a good guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the first half of this movie where Mysterio's kind of, like, flying around like the next Iron Man. And, like, uh, you're, 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 you're getting, like, some travel moments with all the kids and stuff. And it's all, like, the typical high school stuff. I was kind of like, this movie isn't doing anything for me. Well, um, so, to on the point of that, I kind of liked the beginning of it, though. And the reason why I was like, this is kind of messy, but, like... When you see the society that they're in, they're in a society that was so entrenched in heroes, and now there's this heavy power vacuum. Yeah, well... Like, there's this huge absence. Just because Iron Man's gone? Well, it's not just Iron Man. When you think about it, there are no Avengers right now in, like, the... Like, not there's even Hulk. for Fury. There's Hulk. There's there's um, there's Falcon, there, who's now Captain America. There's Winter Soldier. There's Scarlet Witch. She's the most powerful one of anybody. First of all, we already know for a fact... After all of this endgame... Let's talk real quick. Mm-hmm. After all this endgame shit, Scarlet Witch is going to go cry over her dead boyfriend because she couldn't do it while she was dust. Okay, we don't, we don't know anything about any of these. I mean, that's true. Adventures. But, like, there's... Yeah. there's. I mean, and even then, this still sets up the fact that clearly there is a power vacuum. There uh, is yeah. there is currently no Avengers. Uh, Thor it sounded, is... It sounded to me like there were. There like, are, but, like, not really because, like, Thor's off-world, they said. Like, they set it up in a way, like, I mean, they're, like, there aren't... They're not here. Yeah, they're, Where are they're these not people? doing. They're not doing this, thing, which is another problem with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That like it's it's unclear when these big global events are happening. That like where are all the other heroes? Like, which is, I mean, that's I mean, that's a thing. I mean, let's be real. That's the thing with comic books in general. You're always I know, just like, I know, I know. In like a Batman comic, where the fuck is Superman? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's yeah, a thing. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I think with this film, like, it kind of showed like clearly there's a power vacuum that we're gonna be exploring in the next. Like, throughout this next, like, I phase? I wouldn't say it's a power vacuum so much it's like an, as an idolization vacuum. Where, like, a lot of the heroes that people... Well, the two main heroes that people loved are gone. Yeah. Um, and, but as far as, like... Those two main heroes are also the leaders of this team that yeah, clearly... But, but, like, we can't claim that Cap and Iron Man are the most powerful people. Not the most powerful, but they were the leaders. They were the leaders. So, yeah, okay, there's this idolization vacuum of, like, people that the world aren't quite looking to yet but i think also the thing is like there clearly isn't a hero presence post this thanos situation Mm -hmm. and that's where this power vacuum in my head comes in the reason why i'm saying power vacuum is because like there is there was probably a very big presence because like we even saw like in endgame like these people are very entrenched in the Every, I mean, Captain America's running fucking support groups. Yeah. You get what I mean? One of like, my favorite things in that whole movie. Yeah, you know, like, there's things like that happening. Like, I mean, uh, Black Widow's running, like, a task force around the country trying to take she care was, of everything. She was running so the Avengers. clearly, there was a very big hand in everything during that five-year yeah. period that everything was happening. And then, somehow, some way, that hand is now gone. Mm-hmm. So, I think that this, is, like, this kind of showed, like, there's this gap between... Tony's death and here where the heroes like eight months right yeah the yeah. heroes for the last eight months have blanked out we don't know where they are we don't know what's going on and every, it's, all, it's really because everyone's going on all these new adventures I mean Thor's with the Guardians true um you know like Valkyrie is running and people don't really know who Valkyrie is so right. like she's running Asgard and yeah like Iron when you think Iron. about like the main team like uh Hawkeye quit to go be with his kids again probably because he and got like, them back yeah 
And you could you could probably argue that I mean Hulk Hulk, Hulk is with Doctor Strange. I mean Hulk is doing the whole is? Doctor. Remember when like the um What's he snap? talked to the no he talked to the um the ancient one in Endgame. Oh and yeah, and she kind of gave that whole thing where I was like, well, I'll be seeing you again. You know, like the right. do, 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 do. Yeah. so let's be real. He's probably doing backflips and magic. Maybe, maybe. I mean, <laughs> so, like the movie no, again. This movie doesn't tell us. Any it doesn't of really that, tell us any so. of that. But like, I think that like, I mean, when you take it, when you have to take the context of the everything that happened at the end of Endgame, you saw pieces of that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, so it, you can kind of see like there's like this whole like this yearning for the heroes and there's also like this fear this fear of like well what if something happens next and i mean right. nick fury even has this same fear you know what i mean they're like well right. what if and like there isn't a fallback for the what if and i think that like because spider-man is in this neighborhood the whole neighborhood is making spider-man the what if right and i think that like that's why i think like the very beginning of this film works so well is because like for spider-man is like I want to be as far away from hero stuff as possible. Right. He needs a minute. And the first thing that he sees when he wants to go on vacation is a water monster Mm -hmm. and a guy who is in a pretty much robotic suit shooting lasers out of his hands. And he's like, whoa. Yeah, that is sounds a lot like what I like in a man. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know what I mean? So like, that's the reason why I feel like the whole beginning of this movie really worked because like, yeah, it's a messy time in a messy world, and yeah, I think that like I mean, as like... the film goes on, it kind of ties to like the whole world kind of ties together, central around Peter, and then like we get a really interesting Act Three. Oh yeah, Act Three because of that, and even even Act Two. Um, but I don't even mean from like a plot standpoint. I mean like the editing was was really bad um, in a lot of this movie. Was it? I didn't even notice that. There were there were some cuts that didn't make sense. Uh, uh, cuts that didn't didn't let any beats actually land. Um, I do feel like this movie is in such a rush to get to the Mysterio twist that while everything else is going on, yeah, the the actual. Um, like Peter Mysterio dynamic is developed well, but mm-hmm. everything else that's going on in this movie for me, like like kind of got sidelined and like this whole like Tony eulogy gets a little bit too much play. Well, I don't um, think so because I mean, let's well, be real. if we replace like, Tony on a joke about it, like like it was it was really confusing. Well, it opens in a very high school way of the way high schoolers would do it. Yes, but this is the first thing we're seeing after Endgame, and it's like kind of a a. A, a joke on it and like it, it it does like lessen the impact of like the actual iron man death um, I, didn't, I didn't think so well it lessens the impact on peter for me like like we have this big conclusive depressing ending to end game and then this this movie opens with a joke about it <laughs> It's kind of like, oh, that's not amazing. Um, I mean, like that's again, that's the first like twenty seconds of the movie. But like afterwards, uh, I mean, this movie rushes around to get Mysterio involved. Um, There's 
which comes to the detriment, I think, of Peter and uh, MJ's dynamic. They are not very well fleshed out. Um, their chemistry is sort of there, but like they need they need time to really sit and develop with it. It feels rushed. And that's what I think that this next movie is going to be. I think the third one, yeah, based on the way that the sure. again we'll go into the end credits, but based on the way that the end credits is working, yeah. I think the third one is really going to be more of them exploring. Yeah, because I think with which this- is good, but like okay, but then don't do don't try to like half ass it here. I don't think I don't. You know what? It I felt half assed. The reason why I don't think it felt half assed is because at the very end of the first one, we understand. Well, throughout the first one, we understand Peter and MJ have a weird dynamic, and then towards the end, barely. She's in like three scenes. <laughs> well, no, I mean, he's she's, going after that other. Yeah, girl. he's going after the other girl. I'm not saying yeah. that they like each other as much in the first. One. I think that like they have like that friendship dynamic where like she's just like this really weird sort of bully girl, but she has right. a crush on him in the first movie. Right. That's very clearly seen based on the way that she's reacting every time he's going after the other girl. Then at the very end of the first movie, they kind of have a moment where they have a conversation. He notices whatever. And then we move into the, the beginning of this movie. He, like, has, like, this plan to kind of get with her. And he's like, I'm going to do this on this trip, and this is, like, my plan. And I think that, like, when you think about the false hope of a character when writing a story, this works out perfectly. Because, like, a lot of what his, like, plan is is super-duper unattainable oh, yeah. based on the character that MJ is. Yeah. And I I like that. I like that a lot. Um it's just like the common misconception that you have when you're a kid. Yeah, it's like, 100% a huge common misconception shit. you have yeah. when you're a kid. And I think that, like, because MJ's watching Peter so closely because she has a crush on him, mm-hmm. is in turn, she also finds out, like, ah. He's got to be spider Well, also, it's also because, like, he was wearing, like, a jester mask. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, that, in the yeah, very beginning, funny. in the same clothes, yeah. where anyone who looked up would have been like, "Oh, look, Peter's shooting webs." Right. And even right. also when they were like in that little hotel, and he was like, "Oh, did you do something?" She was like, "Yeah, I was running away." And he's like, "I too was running." And she also was like, "That that's a weird way to do that." But then that. there was also that moment, and I know that this is part of the reveal. Where, like, Peter and Jake Gyllenhaal go and sit in a bar unmasked and, like, start talking. Mm -hmm. And, like, obviously that's part of Quentin Beck's plan. But, like, why did Peter agree to that? Yeah, that's... Interestingly enough, (laughs) I think that, That like... That was stupid. (laughs) Well, I think, like... I don't know. That's true. Because I don't know if it was the whole, like, these people don't really know who we they, are. I was, like, but looking like, around at, like, the other pe- the extras in that scene, and they're not, like, like government agents who yeah. already know. It's all, like, the locals. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is dumb. But it, also, if you're, like, quitting back and you're like, oh, these people know who I am, so they're not going to make a big deal out of it because I know these people. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it ties into the twist, but yeah. it's just kind of, like... <laughs> But I don't buy that Peter, especially after the jester mask. I was like, yeah. why are you unmasking this bar with, like, people? That's very true. Um, but, yeah, so, like, beyond some of the messiness of all that, like, plotting and stuff, I mean, once the Mysterio twist kicks in, I thought this, I thought it got really, really great. Yeah, it gets really great, yeah. I think, um, right from the midpoint. I mean, I, I like the beginning of this film. Um, what I do kind of wish, and I, you know what, I think that this... The Mysterio hero segment was a little bit too grandiose, I think. The whole, like, because I think that the sequences were a little too big, and I get it, you want them to be big or whatever, but I think that, I like... I mean, they weren't particularly, like, inspired action scenes. No, no, not, not like that. I mean, yeah. they were too big in terms of it took up too much time. Like, 
having to explain this fake mythos took up too much time. Like the whole the four element and they've like you could have done Mysterio where it's like he's still like a fake hero doing like simulated things. Yeah. And you could have had a very smaller mythos. Hmm, I don't around know. Around it. Yeah, you could have I, like, I kind of liked that he like gave instead himself of well instead like of four being... monsters, they could have been three. What I mean, no, but like even I mean you only see really three of them in the movie anyway. But like, uh no, I I kind of dug that like in retrospect that he had so much hubris to build this like great sympathetic backstory That's for true. himself. I, I thought that was I thought that was like funny. Like it was so part of everything that he was doing. Like pretty much everything Mysterio did before the twist makes sense after the twist. It's just That's like true. what Peter did before the twist with Mysterio doesn't totally make sense. Um but yeah, no, I mean, well, I think that lends more to like this whole Peter's looking for like this role model to trust, right? And I think that throughout this film, Peter places false trust in Mysterio so much so that he's willing to be unmasked in a place with this man because he trusts this man so much, like in the same way that he trusts Tony, like he trusted Tony Stark so much. Like, I mean, yeah, Peter's arc uh, to, to figure, like, bis- Peter's arc basically is to kind of, I actually, for the first time, really do have to do this on my own. Well, and I, and I really like that. I mean, obviously, there's hints of that in Homecoming. Um, but I really, I really liked how it played out, especially toward the end. Well, here. there's also, like, those hints of, like, paternal grief and, like, placing your, like, paternal grief into any father figure you can find totally, which is like a totally. which in, like, i think that's a very big thing in childhood like when kids lose their fathers they tend to put a lot of their own trust and in, like into like male mm-hmm. figures who are around when they had close relations with their father and like i mean tony stark kind of took up the whole uncle ben role in terms of like this whole peter parker story in a way not yeah. like not fully but like in a way where like like Uncle Ben normally is, like, this man that, like, Peter idolizes and looks up mm-hmm. to so hugely. And I think here this was Tony Stark. Well, even in the comics, I mean, when when Peter goes looking for a father figure again, I mean, he finds mm-hmm. <laughs> was the great tragedy of him constantly trying to fill that void, especially in the early days of the comics and, like, usually the early days of anything. <laughs> he finds it in, in Spider-Man 1, in Raimi's first Spider-Man, he finds it in Norman Osborn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the second one, he finds it in Otto Octavius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he finds it in Kurt Connors. Like, no, like, no, I mean, the great, that's, and the way they do it with Mysterio plays into that really well, where Peter learn, Peter does have to learn that, like, he really can only trust himself, and, and, and eventually they need to, you know, they need to double back on that arc a little, where he gets to trust MJ and stuff, but, like, I loved how they played into that, especially after Iron Man. But I think even after, even with then, I mean, he's also inherited so much from Tony and he doesn't even notice it. Like, he's inherited Happy, he's inherited Edith, like, he's inherited so much still from Tony, which, I mean, personally, I really like that aspect. I didn't think that the whole um, Tony Stark grief thing was played up too much, at least in terms of Peter, only because I think that it really gave him real character motive throughout this film because like i will say there were definitely about three too many shots of like a big iron man mural mm -hmm. in this movie that like it lingered on like like okay we get it (laughs) we get it but that also shows like this world mrs iron man it's also shows. where's the captain america one well also (laughs) maybe there's also the understanding to the people that like 
Iron Man's the one that took out Thanos, so thank him. You know what even, I mean? Even even so, I think Captain America has that stature as well. Like, I don't know. Like, like, like writing in subtext like that. But also, it? when you think about the person Tony Stark is, you also would think it was probably in his will to have murals made of him. I did. I did. Would the jo- the gag of what Edith stands for? Even yeah. Even, even in, in death, death, I'm a hero. Yes. Fucking hysterical. Yeah. Le- like you could. There, there, that was one of the few moments where you could really, really feel Tony. Yeah, and like I, I did love that. Um, but I mean, the the best moment where Tony gets like tied into this whole thing, I think, is is where Peter's designing his own suit, mm-hmm. um, and you see Happy looking on as Peter kind of. Yeah, looks like Tony in the first Iron Man movie as mm-hmm. he's like adjusting. I did love that. I thought that was great. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, what 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 else do you want to talk about? Um, I would like to talk about post Mysterio twist. Mysterio as the villain now. Um, and uh, leading into the very big action scene in London. Okay. Yeah. Um. I thought it was incredible. The action scene? Not the action scene in London, the way that the story played itself. Like, the way that the story plays out, like, leading into this, like, there are so many, like, moving parts happening at once Mm -hmm. that, like, I I feel like, I personally felt the stakes were high. Like, Jake Gyllenhaal is a villain. You feel the stakes are extremely high because we have this extremely big, like, visual scene Right before exiting, yeah, the right at the midpoint, really, of Act Two, where I mean, Mysterio's just playing with Spider Man's mind, yeah, in so many ways, even so much so that he even got Spider Man to like give up, like, and it kind of plays on like that idea of trust because he still then he brings out Nick Fury, who's Spider Man's like, This is the only person I can trust right now, right? Where he's like, Who did you tell? and then he tells him, and then even then, he's still like playing with his mind and like fucking with him, and then. He gets hit by a train. Now, that's where, like, to me personally, the stakes were extremely high because I was like, well, shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's going to kill. I knew he wasn't going to kill them, but I was like, he's going to try to really kill these kids. Right. And also, like, the fact that, like, Mysterio has, like, there's a team behind Mysterio. I really like that. It's not just, like. But I also liked that they were kind of, like, afraid of him. Yeah, th- yeah. I-, I love that. Yeah. I love that he's, like, the leader that they fear. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that still brings in, like, the whole villainy behind the character of Mysterio. Here. Yeah. Like, yeah. He can't... He's still, he still... Yeah. He rules with an iron fist. Like, he rules this team. Mm-hmm. And I think that that makes him the... Adver- I think it works where he's the adverse Tony Stark here. Yeah. Where, like, Tony has a team and he does not run it anywhere near like that. And I think that, like, it again plays where, like, Peter Parker's looking at, like, this mirror of Tony, but it's a very dark mirror in comparison to, like, it's what he thinks he's looking for but he's not right because like even in the way that like he was doing the battle simulation it was very tony stark like where he does like the simulations with jarvis mm-hmm. in like previous movies like it, like jake gyllenhaal did like a very good job in like working in like some sort of robert downey jr isms into like that scene with like the battle thing where he's like now revert like now stop it and like add the impact and add more damage like yeah. things like that well, he and, felt like, like a film director to me where he was kind of like going and and like upping certain levels of different well, things yeah. and stuff and I, I thought that was really clever. i mean in the same way that tony ups the levels of like photon cannons in like a suit you know what i mean that's what i'm talking like that's what i'm really more 
doing it here. Like, yeah, but is, Tony is not constructing the situation. He's constructing. He's constructing well, his reaction to this. Situation. Well, yeah, I'm not talking literally here. I'm talking about when you think about like the way that they framed this scene. It looks a lot like when Tony's framing things in a suit. Like with this, it looks a lot like that. Like if you were to watch like Iron Man two, where he's like doing a suit and you watch this like side by side you could see the similarities fair enough i mean yeah there are special effects that are like holographic and stuff um yeah i mean i really liked joan hall like as far as joan hall's performance when he like gets to be the villain mm-hmm. it had that like wry quality to it that was just so there's this like deep-seated irony and like everything he was saying as if he was like too smug even for his own plan and I yeah. loved that so much. Um, as far as like the final action scene, I mean, Spider-Man fighting a bunch of drones is not very exciting. Um, uh, I like yes when it was and no into... because like I think throughout this though it like it was Spider-Man having to really figure out how to do this, especially when he was out of webs. Mm-hmm. It, it this movie kind of showed the scientific side of Spider-Man where the first one didn't really. Yeah, I did like that. It was Spider-Man understanding like he was like, "Okay, if I jump, if I like throw this concussion wave up and then I jump off another concussion." Mm-hmm. Like it's very it was a very scientific side to Spider-Man. Yeah. It was very physics oriented. That's the reason why he even did those electronic webs so that when he was webbing them together and then he detonated the electricity, it would short wire them. Like it was a very scientific fight for spider-man and i really like that because like when you think about it like again mysterio is just a normal guy in a suit so you can't really have like with like holographic imagery you can't really have like a fight fight because it would just go through him so i think that him fighting the drones in a very scientific way i thought that was great um him on the bridge i mean even moments like on the bridge like you really start to like feel for him because you're like man, his back is really against the wall against these, like, 200 fucking crazy drones. And this one guy just kind of... St- like, his objective was get into the tower. Right. And it was him trying his hardest to do that. And for the first couple times, it was working, then it failed, then it worked, then it failed. And then he finally got it. And then also we kind of saw, like, Mysterio try to do, like, that whole thing again. And then him, like, working with his spidey sense that they called a Peter Tingle. Which was cute. It was him working through that and, like, Again, they also gave that moment of like clarity and grief. Like there was kind of like that. Like it was like his hero arc came crashing all together. And that that's like the A story and the B story really crashed together at that mm-hmm. moment where he's like, "I gotta do this," and he works through that amazingly. I mean, it was just him and his instinct, yeah, which was something he was lacking throughout a lot of this film. And the instinct is what got him to win that battle. I mean, even so, where after he noticed that, like, the Jake Gyllenhaal here, like, he felt there was a gun to his head in that second, and he caught his arm before the shot happened. Right. Like, it was, I thought it was super cool. I thought it was genius, and I really liked that it was very different than what we've seen in final fights in Marvel movies. I guess, like, just, like, with all the level of CGI and everything, it didn't feel that different to me but i will say i do agree with you on your point that it is it is definitely a battle that's more about the mind than yeah than we were used to seeing i guess just the visual representation of that didn't really grab me but joe and all did so did tom holland no, I, I thought it was. I thought it was like very, and I even think that even for like just like a little drone fight, it was very well done. To be honest with you, uh, because there have been so many blue lights in the sky 
in Marvel films. True. This I'm was like a very happy the that there was not a blue light in the sky trying to turn everybody into lizards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like a blue light in the sky trying to turn trying to turn the lights off or something that happened in the second movie. Um What oh, was that the that was Electro's play? Yeah. He just wanted to turn the lights I don't remember. off. I don't. I, that's, I've only seen that one once, I think. Or like a blue light in the sky to get aliens to come down to Earth. You know, there's a, yeah. Or like or a blue light in the, the sky to get dark elves onto Earth. What was the blue light in the sky in Suicide Squad for? The blue light in the sky was to turn everybody into zombies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. We've definitely had enough blue lights in the sky. Yeah. There, there wasn't a blue light in the sky here. So whenever I don't see a blue light in the sky, I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah. And then, and also, like to be honest with you, Spider-Man fighting drones is cool. It's like it's yeah. it's it's cool when you watch him web off of a drone, and also we got to see cool moments like him sort of like shifting his body mid air to try to like. Not not dodge them he's grabbing them he's smashing them against each other sure. like it took I mean, a lot of CGI, e- it's very cgi but it's also it took a lot of expertise in the character of spider-man like i'm even taking it away i'm taking it to just the story level itself like as if this was a comic book it shows like the expertise that is with the that comes with the character of spider-man because sure. like he's brawn and brain they all the superheroes all have like expertise and physical stuff well this is not even about the physical stuff it's about like the genius of Sp- like spider-man this was like spider-man science brain here i know but it just, it just wasn't like i didn't think it was very like well visually realized like the, like the the clever moments there where he does like do something like sciencey or like where he has to find what was it a car door um, yeah or was that sign it was the london bridge sign it was the london bridge um, sign and like the concussive thing in his hand and sure that's fun um but just like the actual CGI execution of it, just like renders it so boring. And I don't know if you can do that practical, really. Yeah, and I think that's another problem with superhero movies in general. We're just you can't do superhero. Point. Yeah, you can't do a lot of superhero movies. What you need to do right now, you have to kind of always up the ante with these superhero movies. Unfortunately, and like you can't really do a lot of those practical. Like you can do like effects practical but you can't really do like a lot of these action sequences practically like you can't do like a practical spider-man action sequence (sighs) besides like a hand-to-hand fight you can't really do that i guess that's true like even if his ability is to swing me ones yeah if his ability is to swing through the air (laughs) yeah fair enough well, even even the uh, the uh, and I did appreciate that final shot with him swinging with Zendaya because mm-hmm. it was like this feels tactile, like like this feels like there's actually a camera there and there, this isn't just like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a quality that they they reached back into the Raimi years, yeah. with because those the swinging in those movies does have a very tactile quality to mm-hmm. it, and I like that. But you're no, you're you're right. You can't really do a big Spider-Man action scene without CGI. Mm. Not that I'm saying it has to be like CGI less, but like I don't know, a couple shots of something practical, just so I feel like some life is there. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, like I think back to the train fight with Doctor Octopus in uh, Spider-Man Two. And, like, there are definitely enough shots of that where, sure, the backgrounds are probably CGI, but they're, like, doing hand-to-hand combat, like, yeah. on top of the train and shit, and it's wild. I love that. But so also, much. like, this isn't a film that was hand-to-hand combat heavy. Totally, totally, totally. But I, I, I think, I'm sure and I mean, there we, was another way to make this more exciting. Yeah. Anyway. Do you have? Uh, do you want to go to final thoughts? Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I'm, I was all about this film. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I was a fan. I'm, I wouldn't say like I'm in love with it, but I was. A, I'm a big fan of it. How um, many hats? 
gonna give it three point five. Okay. I'm gonna go three. Um, I, I I did overall enjoy it. I, I mean, I mean, if Jake Gyllenhaal wasn't doing what he's doing in this, I probably would have maybe like disliked it. Um, but he is, and what he's doing is wonderful. Tom Holland is still an infectious Spider-Man. Um, I just I just think the the plotting is really a mess here, um, and I, I I'm tired of CGI final battles. Just am. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they're going to be a thing for a very long time. Unfortunately. Endgames was, like, a little bit better. Yeah. But Endgame had a way bigger budget, though. Probably true. No, definitely true. They had a way yeah. bigger budget. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sure that movie had a larger budget, but this movie doesn't have a small budget. Um, I mean, this movie is going to be, like, probably the highest grossing movie of the summer. Yeah. Um, well, besides the fact that Endgame came out, like, right before the summer. But, uh, all right. Um, okay. So that's our review of Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, looking forward to the next one. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I can't wait to see what villain they pick. Um, next week, we're going to do... We're going to step back and we're going to do an indie. We're going to yeah. do The Farewell, starring Aquafina, which I'm very excited, A24. Um, otherwise, you want to take us into our social media? Well, what's your recommendation? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> eighth grade is on amazon prime eighth grade directed by bone burnham um his his directorial debut it is i think it's 95 minutes um oh, it came out just about a year ago mm-hmm. um it's so good it's so good elsie fisher is is wonderful as the lead it's just got this really really warm heart and this it, it sits in this like vaguely obscured reality of what eighth grade looks and feels like um, while also perfectly uh, adapting like social media to that situation, God, this movie is such a little gem. I love it so much. It's maybe my favorite coming of age movie of this decade. Um, yeah, watch watch Eighth Grade, Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. Social. Yeah, let's take this <laughs> into a social. Um, if you want to send us an email or follow us on Instagram, we are. At Poppers and Popcorn, all one word straight through. On Instagram, it's Poppers and Popcorn, and our word Poppers and Popcorn at gmail.com for our email. Um, if you like memes, follow me on Instagram. I'm at mm-hmm. ograte underscore it's Josh. Uh, and my Twitter is at jranosaurus, at J A Y R A N O S A U R U S. And I am on... I can't speak anymore. I'm on Instagram at seaotter318. And I'm on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Doherty, D-R underscore D-O-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. Um, yeah, rate and review us on iTunes. That helps us get bigger and stuff. And, yeah, you know, you know There's nothing there's you want. It's, it's us getting bigger. <laughs> um, otherwise, yeah, we'll see you next Tuesday for the farewell. Yeah, let's do it. Farewell. Goodbye. <gasps>